Time to go to work indeed. Thank you so much for listening to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, the rebirth, the reinvention of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am one of your hosts for this show, Jordan Blount. Going to be taking you through this journey, of course, DetroitBadBoys.com on SB Nation, your home for Pistons news. Some very exciting things happening on that blog, one of them being the restart of this very podcast and helping me restart that podcast is Ben Grolker. Ben, how you doing? Hey, great, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Thrilled to be uh, back at it, going to work for a new season. That's right. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, a lot of exciting things going on with DetroitBadBoys.com. I'm one of many of the new people who have added to the site. New content is posted daily, and if you're a Pistons fan, a Detroit sports fan, even just an NBA or basketball fan, it's definitely the place you want to go for daily content analysis, pregame and postgame reports. It's it's absolutely the place you want to be. Ben and many of the other contributors will be part of this podcast. We hope to get many of the contributors on. Uh, and the plan is to cover it once a week. So this podcast is coming to you on a Monday, and we plan to come to you every Monday throughout the NBA season. And we hope to have some success with it, have some good guests on the show. And I decided that our first special guest needed to be someone that I would feel comfortable with in the studio, somebody that helped me get my start in radio. And that's why I went to Detroit Pulse Radio and the Academy Sports Show's own host, Andre Douglas. I've, I've never had an introduction like that before. You're right. That was thank you. professional. Thank you. Thank you. You're far too kind. I was going to say Detroit media member. <laughs> I mean, I've had a credential once or twice. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> We're going to say that counts. <laughs> so now the uh, Pistons are into the preseason, and if you followed it all during the offseason, I, I don't think we need to go back through all the moves, the trades. If you're looking for any of that information, DetroitBadBoys.com. That's the place you're going to find it. So let's talk about the preseason. Ben, I don't know, just your thoughts, I guess. Big takeaways from the preseason. Is there anything that sticks out to you? Uh, so far, I guess. My main thought is I'm really glad it's just the preseason because it's been a little <laughs> bit bumpy. You know, this is a brand new team, and that goes without saying all the new additions, as you mentioned. We passed that out and fleshed that out and what it all means. But it's been a rough ride, and there's been uh, a lot of adjusting going on. And I think for teams like the Pistons who are in flux, rebuilding from one year to the next, um, you're thankful that the preseason exists because you can get a little bit of the jank out before the regular season starts. Um, on the upside, though, I think that there's been two things that have stood out to me. First is Stanley Johnson, who has been really fantastic. Yeah. And then second, I, I think apart from turnovers, Reggie Jackson has been really good. And uh, since the trade was made, my thought has been the Pistons are going to live and die with Reggie Jackson. If he's fantastic, the Pistons are going to be pretty good this year. Uh, if he's not, we're going to struggle. And I think so far he's been doing some really nice stuff on the court. So those are the two big positives that I would take away from the preseason thus far. And like you said, one of the negatives has just been that, you know, thank God it is the preseason and these games aren't counting. Uh, we're recording this right after the Spurs game. The Spurs beat the Pistons today, 96-92. Pistons dropped to 2-4 and four in the preseason. I guess, are there any negatives that you see kind of team-specific besides the fact that we haven't found a, found a lot of wins in these games so far? 
Well, obviously we missed uh, Reggie Jackson in the first game, um, and, and he's just getting healthy and rounding into form. But really, I think you can chalk a lot of it up to playing a lot, playing around with the roster. I mean, if you look at just the way the minutes shook out even for today's game, I mean, he went. Uh, Stan Van Gundy's going 11 deep. That's not something you're going to see in the regular season. That's so true. he's trying to figure out who's going to be uh, the last guy to make the roster, which I know we're going to talk about later. Um, he's trying to figure out who's going to be my starting three and who's going to be my starting four. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, kind of a, a given going into the season that we see Marcus Morris starting at the three. But Stanley Johnson's getting a lot of minutes. Marcus is getting minutes at the three and the four. Uh, and then obviously Ilyasova's playing some four as well. Um, you know, so I, I think there's so much experimenting going on that the win-loss record is, isn't really all that concerning to me. I think, you're, you know, you're just seeing guys – who probably aren't going to play huge roles going into the season, getting a lot of minutes, and you're seeing guys playing out of position and maybe just not quite comfortable on the court the way we'll expect maybe 10 or 15 games in. That's true. Yeah, I think you're right. The just kind of experimenting that Stan Van's been doing with the rotation and with guys getting big minutes in spots that they probably, you're right, will not get during the season. And that first game of the preseason kind of reminds me of that with Stanley Johnson basically running the point and being the primary ball handler for most of that game. That's something I don't think we'll see throughout the season. But I think that's been kind of a worry in mind. I wanted to get your idea, just kind of your thoughts on this. The primary ball handler, if when it's not Reggie Jackson, are you worried at all about how this offense runs when he's not on the floor? Absolutely, yes. Um, I think he's going to play a lot of minutes, especially until the backup point guard situation gets resolved. We get Steve Blake back, uh, and then Gundy figures out who's going to back him up. But I think... Probably, in my opinion, the, the biggest concern for me about losing Greg Monroe at this point in the year is that um, I think as Pistons fans, we've kind of taken it for granted that at any point during any part of the game, the Pistons could dump the ball into Greg Monroe and the offense could work through him. That's true. Without him right now, the Pistons do not have a player other than Reggie Jackson who can facilitate any sort of offense on his own. So um, absolutely early on, prior to Brandon Jennings getting back, that's going to be my number one concern with the offense. And I, I do think Reggie's going to play really heavy minutes until Brandon gets back. Because, I mean, if, even if you think about um, Dinwiddie playing well and Steve Blake playing well, at their best, they're not going to be guys who are going to facilitate the entire offense. Right. They're going right. to be more traditional. So, yes, a secondary ball handler has to be, I think, Van Gundy's biggest, biggest concern going into the start of the season because – not Brandon Jennings, there's just really no one else who has the skill set to pull that off. Dre, I want to just turn over to you because I know you've been kind of tough on Van Gundy at times for some of the moves he's made as executive, tough on Reggie Jackson and how this team has been kind mm-hmm. of built. From what you've seen so far preseason and even some of the offseason moves, what do, you, what do you think about this team just going forward? Are, are there any worries you see that we haven't talked about yet? Anything else you see? Uh, you guys definitely hit on backup point guard. That was, yeah. that was probably number one. Um, not a Reggie Jackson guy yet. I know he has the potential, so he has the time mm-hmm. to, uh, to sway my vote one way or another. So, um, and, But my thing was defensively. This is a pick-and-roll-oriented league now. There's no sets. There's no defensive sets. It's all pick-and-roll defense, all pick-and-roll offense. Mm-hmm. So can these guys, can, uh, is Stanley going to be on the floor enough to defend the pick-and-roll? Can KCP be on the floor long enough to defend the pick and roll? Do you trust Ilyasova in pick and roll defense? So my thing is, I, I, what is their offense? 
and how are they going to defend offenses? So right. if you're in a, if you're in a uh, division with Chicago, who's all pick and roll with Derrick Rose, if you're in a division with Cleveland, who's all pick and roll with LeBron and Kevin Love, um, even Indiana with Paul George, Paul George, like. Paul George playing the four now right. might be even more deadly. Mm-hmm. So uh, my thing is defensive. We've had deficiencies on offense, so we need to make that up on defense. So I'm looking at defense. Um, and then the rotation as well. Stanley Johnson, uh, Morris, and Ilyasova. Somebody's going to get squeezed out in minutes-wise. Right. So who's going to be that guy? And, Ben, what do you think so far between those three? Is there one that you see as kind of the liability or the weak link of those guys that uh, Dre just mentioned? I think long-term that Ilyasova is the weak link because I think he, you know, you look at his contract for no other reason than that. Yeah. Morris is on the books for a number of years. Obviously, Stanley Johnson, the way he's played so far, is emerging as a long-term possibility for this roster so I, I would not be surprised if 20 30 games into the season we're seeing Johnson with the Lions share the minutes at three Morris with the Lions share the minutes at four and uh, Ilya Silva and Tolliver are kind of fighting for scraps of whatever's left I agree with you and I know Van Gundy tried that in one of the preseason games uh, Indiana was one where he was kind of messing with the the four spot and it cost Detroit early in that game and I know it's just the preseason but I saw Paul George take a lot of open threes which is something that as a fan last season I saw way too much from stretch fours and bigs who could shoot it just seemed like that was something that killed us defensively so I think you're right I think Morris gives us probably the best look at the four spot but that's something he's going to have to get more comfortable with but you're right I think could bump Ilyasova out of the starting rotation, but you're right. Part of that will depend on Stanley Johnson at the three. Is is this the time we just talk about Stanley Johnson for about ten minutes and, and how he might be the savior of this team? <laughs> what have you thought about Stanley so far, Ben? Well, limited by uh, the NBA's TV coverage, unfortunately, the preseason. I've had to go off a lot of highlight clips of that, but I I watched him particularly closely in the first preseason game where as you indicated, he had to do something he hasn't done a whole lot of in his entire career, let alone NBA career, which was just one game at the time. He was so comfortable with the basketball. That was the thing that stood out to me above anything else. And he had a fantastic game, but he was so comfortable with the basketball. Mm -hmm. And what Detroit has not had since going back to Grant Hill, Jerry Stackhouse Mm -hmm. is a, is a wing player a two or the three, who can really slash and get to the basket. Uh, in, in our best years, you know, in the most recent championship run, I love to watch Rip Hamilton play, but obviously he was an off-the-ball, work-off-of-screens, mid-range kind of player. Stanley Johnson, so far, looks like he can be a guy who can not only shoot the ball, but also put the ball on the floor and get to the rim, score inside and get to the line. And that in today's NBA, getting to the line in particular is so critical and it's so true. important. And is he the savior? Man, I hope so. He's been, he's been fantastic <laughs> so far. Yeah, I agree. Just his confidence and his comfort on the basketball floor. I don't care if it's summer league when we saw him at Arizona. And I know, Dre, you and I will go back and forth on mm-hmm. the academy. But one of the things we agreed on was 
Stanley Johnson looked like an NBA player in yes, Arizona, and he's, he's shown it so far. Most definitely. I mean, uh, uh, he only had one down game uh, for the regular season and came up a little shy in postseason in uh, in a tournament there. Mm-hmm. But all in all, he just has that swagger that we've been missing for a long time in the, in the city. People want to fill the seats. People want to have somebody to root for. He's definitely a face you could put on billboards, yeah. definitely somebody you can put on commercials. So that's definitely somebody you can you can get behind emotionally. You know, his mother was a big part going to draft and now she's passed away so it's definitely the, the city's definitely embraced him um, and he's embraced us back so um, we're looking forward to seeing him on the floor and do great things and things of that nature but let's taper expectations for his first year I don't want to throw too much on him right you know he said Grant Hill and that just sent chills down my <laughs> spine I was like man if he can just be a little like Grant Hill that would be a great that'd be a great thing a great asset here for the city it's true. Uh, all the way around but uh, Ben's right his he's a natural with the ball uh, if he can lock down that three-point shooting, then Ilya Sova is pretty much a, a a second thought because you can keep Stanley out there defensively and offensively, but he is going to be defending uh, the best player on the floor some nights yeah. um, with a division that has uh, LeBron James in it <laughs> and, and other good threes. Um, uh, Morris will probably take Paul George as, at the four and things of that nature. So he's going to have to learn how to play both sides of the court and by – uh, the all-star break, will he have enough in the tank if we put too much on his plate too soon right. to finish off the season? Yeah, and I, I like what you said that he's kind of embraced the city and embraced his role so far. And he seems like a guy that no matter what Van Gundy gives him, he's going to try to make the most of it. And I remember the first preseason game, and Ben, you're right, trying to watch these games has been brutal. Uh, and, you know, I'm not someone who wants to use the, the, the bad pirating streams because, you know, I'm, I'm always a little worried about those, but... I got to see a little bit of that first Indiana Pacers game, the very first preseason game. End of that game, Stanley Johnson, just the offense is running through him. And there's a moment where he looks over to the stands, looks to Stan Van Gundy, and basically it's like, you know, what what should I do? Van Gundy says attack the paint, and right away he gets a bucket and one. That's great. And you just see that, you're right, I think there's a chance that if we don't put too much on him, his role could expand in this team over time, but... I, I think there's a chance he could be very special. And this was someone that, you know, for all the good rookies that are in this crop, I think he's one that could be a standout a few years from now. Maybe not right away, because I think there are some rookies, and we'll talk about the Eastern Conference a little later, mm-hmm. some guys that could be very could are in good situations to get good stats and put up good numbers. But I think Johnson's one that could be a big part of a good team. Ben, I wanted to ask you something that Dre had talked about. Uh, Johnson's play could make Ilyasova... A second thought. Do you think if Johnson plays well enough, Ilyasova is the guy that he's taking out of the lineup, or would it be Morris at the three? Well, I think if Stanley Johnson emerges and is the player we think he might be based on the, the preseason, then I think, yes, I think what you'll see is probably a, a Reggie Jackson, KCP, Stanley Johnson, Morris, and Dre starting five. I think that's to me, that makes the most sense if Stanley Johnson emerges as, emerges as in the player we, we think he is. I think Ilya Silva, when he was acquired, it, it made sense because Greg Monroe was on his way out the door. Morris had not been acquired. Ilya Silva's a nice short-term stopgap, even in the best situation for Ilya Silva. So, yeah, I think he's obviously the guy that slides out. And the other thing I'll mention is um, I'm an Anthony Tolliver fan. Mm-hmm. I thought that what he did for Detroit last year was really fantastic given the expectations that I had for him, which were very minimal. And the thing I like about Tyler over Ilya Silva is I like his activity on defense. 
Yeah. And Andre, you talked about this. This is a pick and roll league. And if teams can exploit a one four pick and roll when Eliasova's on the floor, he's not quick enough. Uh, and to rotate, to um, hedge up on the, the pick-and-roll ball handler. But I think maybe even Tolliver surpasses him in terms of uh, his spot in the rotation. So I think, yes, Ilyasova's spot is the spot that's vulnerable if Stanley Johnson is the real deal. And the other guy that I think we have to mention in that spot, just because this is, again, Van Gundy kind of messing with the lineup and getting a sense for his team right now, is Aaron Baines. I think there's a chance Aaron Baines could play a little next to Drummond. Do you, do you think, Ben, that there's a chance that – Baines could get some minutes at the four, kind of a, you know, having two bigs on the court. Is there a chance we see that as well? And I feel like that would take minutes away from Ilyasova as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we're playing against more traditional, uh, and again, this is probably less and less the case in the NBA in today's modern approach to the game, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, Baines makes perfect sense if we're facing a traditional uh, two bigs, three perimeter players sort of offense. He's, you know, he hasn't had a lot of looks yet in the in the preseason, which is understandable given everything that's going on. But, yeah, I mean, he's a solid player. Um, he was really good for San Antonio last year in his limited role, and he's mobile enough, certainly, to, de- to defend traditional power forwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think absolutely against traditional teams, that's a lineup we'll see. Especially teams like Milwaukee and Chicago, who has Taj Gibson and Joe Kim Noah, Henson and, and Monroe, uh, that, 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 that's probably a good lineup that you put up against their uh, rotational bigs because we the Bucks got better, yeah. uh, especially up front. Um, Chicago's still Chicago, so I, I, I like Baines next to um, Drummond, but I don't know if that's Stan Van's thinking. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think he he sees him more as a backup, but he's really happy with his backup. Yeah, <laughs> you know this is his this is his brainchild. This is a Stan Van Gundy team. Mm-hmm. He's um, from from top to bottom, so uh, he has to win considerably better than last year. I don't want to say you know I don't want to put too much expectation on this team. Yeah, but it has to show that the that the sun is rising on this team for people to really back him and his whole GMing of this team. Yeah, I agree. I think this season, you're right, just in terms of wins and losses, has to be better for people to kind of buy into the fact that a Van Gundy team can win in today's NBA. And really, there are so many things about just principles of the game now that are Van Gundy, that's just part of his style. Uh, going back to some of those Magic teams that I remember, uh, they're the team that won the finals gets all the attention, but that team the year after that mm-hmm. won 59 games lost to Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, was probably the best team in the NBA that Mm -hmm. year. And it's a roster that, when you look at it, does remind me a little bit of how he's putting this Detroit roster together. Uh, I think the big thing, of course, is defense like we're talking, because those Magic teams were great defensively. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to your testament, Hidu Turkoglu was a primary ball handler. Right. Do you see Stanley Johnson... Taking mm-hmm. over that role later in the season, like yeah. he, is that when when S, when Stan Van Gundy sees Stanley, does he see Hedo? Like <laughs> you can bring up the ball, <laughs> right? I, I think he must see a bit of that in his game because I think that was part of the decision to take him over Justice Winslow. And I know Van Gundy has talked about uh, Stanley Johnson's game being similar to Jimmy Butler, but again, because he can handle and because of the things he can do defensively, I think you're right. I think that type of role is perfect for Stanley Johnson. Uh, ben, I was going to ask you, I know we've talked a bit about the defense. Does this team remind you at all of some of those Magic teams like we were talking about? Do you think we're there? Do you think that we were a few players or trades away? Or is this team ready to go kind of like those old Magic teams? I see this team as 
roughly a 500 team, give or take. So, no, I don't think we're there yet. Yeah, um, okay. I think my assessment, though, is largely contingent on two players. It's largely contingent on Reggie Jackson because I think what we saw from him last year was a, a stretch of really bad games and a stretch of absolutely fantastic superstar-level play. Mm-hmm. So if he's more superstar than he is what we saw initially, the team could far surpass 500. I mean, if he's a superstar, this team is, is very good. Second player is Stanley Johnson. I think everyone else on the roster other than those two, we kind of know who they are and what they can do. If, if Stanley Johnson's really good and Reggie Jackson is really good, then maybe we're pushing 50 wins. Now, are we there? You know, question mark. Well, we're there in terms of maybe being a threat to, the, to get to the second round of the playoffs but not quite there in terms of getting farther than that. And that's probably the most optimistic you'll hear me talk about the team so far this early in the year. But defense, as you guys are getting at, is going to be the challenge for this roster. Um, obviously, when you compare this team to the Orlando Magic team, the, the obvious comparison is Andre Drummond and, and Dwight Howard. And I love Andre Drummond. I do. I'm a huge fan. But defensively, He's nowhere close to the team defender that Dwight Howard was and still is. And really, as much as his post-game gets talked about as a weakness, I think his team defense is really the thing that's going to make or break him in terms of being, you know, is he a Tyson Chandler or is he a Dwight Howard? Both players are fantastic, but you have to orchestrate a roster in very different ways around those two kinds of players. So, you know, no, I don't think we're there yet. I think we could be pretty good. But I, I don't think our defense is really going to be all that fantastic. It's going to be hopefully good enough. But barring some really significant internal development from Andre Drummond in a very short amount of time, what I've seen from him in the preseason isn't all that different from what I saw from him last year and the year before. So I, I just don't think he's there. And as a result, you know, I don't think the team's going to quite get there on the defensive side of the basketball. Ben, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to ask you something similar, so I'll try to switch it up a little bit to get a different answer. Um, me and Jordan have, have debated this all year long. Um, how do you see the progression? Well, you already said the progression of Andre Drummond. I say he is what he is. He's just a putback artist. He, he'll give you 15 and 15. You know, that's a, that's a great thing, but at the end of the day, he – please stop giving him the ball on the block because he's not going to do anything with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- how do you see this, uh, this phenom, this phenomenon that is Andre Drummond? How do you see his career progressing in this offense? I, I think we're probably pretty much on the same page there. I think my, my greatest dissatisfaction with the first 20 or so games of last year, other than Josh Smith, because I just sort of forget that he was ever a Piston. <laughs> right, we, we just forget about that page in history. <laughs> exactly was um, Van Gundy sort of force-feeding Andre Drummond when his game clearly was not ready for that level of uh, focus in terms of being a post-offensive player. I, in this debate, have always leaned that he's more Tyson Chandler than he is Dwight Howard, and that's okay. You can build around a Tyson Chandler, but you don't want to force them to become Dwight Howard. If he, getting a guy who can put up 15 and 15 on any given night against any team is fantastic thing to have. <laughs> Very few NBA teams have that. And I think be content with that in practice. Yes, keep working on the post game during the summer. Keep working on the post game. He's still young. He's not a finished product. 
But in terms of the way you attack the 82-game regular season, throw him lobs and let him get put back and, and let the rest of the offense be distributed among players who are a little bit better on the offensive side of the ball than he is. I'm starting to agree with both of you. And it, it kills me to do that because I, I'd come to the aid of Andre Drummond often in these debates. And it, a lot of it had to do with his age. But there is something about his game, I think you're right, that there's just a raw component to him on the offensive end. And I'm just not sure how far that goes. And it, part of that, too, is just his free throw shooting. He's never going to be a great free throw shooter. And I also think about his post game kind of similarly. Even if he got noticeably better... I don't know if it puts him in that Dwight Howard category, a guy who can give you 20 and 15 every mm-hmm. night. Because Dwight's style, it's not that he has great finesse, but his bully ball works and he knows how to get his points. And I just don't know if Andre can do that. But throughout the preseason, and I'm sure, Ben, you've kind of seen the same thing, even just looking at the box score, they're giving Drummond looks. Stan Van is mm-hmm. still feeding him the same way. Today, 6 of 16, being a big man and going 6 of 16, is not really what you want. That's not going to be an ideal situation, but it shows, again, we are giving him looks in the paint to see if he can figure it out, to see if he can find that one post move that could really be the difference in making him an all-star. But I, I'm at least, I feel better after what Ben <laughs> said, that you know we can still, over an 82-game season, you're right, if he's more Tyson Chandler, there's still an opportunity to be successful. It probably just puts a little more emphasis on that four spot. Mm-hmm. And when you go back to those Magic teams, Rashard Lewis is, is often forgotten and shouldn't be because he was such a huge part of that team offensively. Mm. And I think that's kind of the piece we were missing. And Ben, I appreciate you picking up the ball with what I was talking about with the Magic's defense, but that four spot and Rashard Lewis's production, I don't know if we have someone who can offer something like that, like a 20-point out, output every night being a possibility. Is, is Marcus Morris the best solution for that spot, or do you think that you know, maybe that's a, a spot that we can improve on the roster. Oh, it's absolutely a spot for long-term improvement. Um, if you look at the way this roster is put together, I think, and I have in view here sort of specifically finances, right? So who's signed for how much and for how, how long? You've got <laughs> Reggie Jackson as a, a long-term piece. You've got Andre Drummond as a long-term piece. And I think Other than that, there's still a lot that's undecided. I mean, I wouldn't count on KCP as a guarantee just yet, um, even though I know uh, Van Gundy likes him a lot. But I think long-term, the four, I I view Marcus Morris and Ilya Silva as short-term solutions to an obvious problem that are probably just good enough for the moment. (laughs) But long-term, I I see Marcus Morris as as sort of a, a utility player off the bench who can play the three or the four, depending on matchups, you know, 20 to, to 30 minutes a game, depending on, on how the matchups are all, uh, shake out. I don't think, personally, that Van Gundy views him as the long-term solution at the four. I think he's a great player to have on your roster for the price. And, again, I think he's got four years left on the deal at a, at a very reasonable price. Fantastic guy who's six, seven, eight in the rotation. But, yes, long-term, we need a four who has some offensive oomph, because I just don't think we're going to get that at the five, at least not this year, and probably not next year either. I agree with you. I think Marcus Morris, you're right, that six, seven, eight spot, if he is your one of your better players coming off the bench, I think you can be a playoff team and maybe even a contender in the Eastern Conference. But you're right, we're going to have to upgrade the four spot next to Stanley Johnson, next to Andre Drummond. That That's the spot, you're right, I think we have to improve. 
And for me, I think that improvement has to be offensively. We need to find someone who can be another go-to player. Uh, so kind of stemming off of that, go-to players, Contavious Caldwell-Pope is one of those guys that I think this season is when we find out if he can be a go-to player for this offense. Have you seen anything this summer that tells you that he's ready to take that next step to become a more consistent scorer for this team? Well, I would say the thing about KCP, I was actually really excited about him when he was drafted. Um, I know a lot of people, the, the Trey Burke thing is going to sting a lot of Michigan fans' hearts for a long time, but I was really excited about him. I thought he had a really nice college career, and I thought he had some really nice physical tools, and, and that's obviously proven to be the case. The thing about KCP that I have not been a fan of in his NBA career to date has been his shot selection. Um, he, to me, he presses too much, and as a result, he takes low percentage shot. Um, when he's in transition, he's absolutely fantastic. When his three-point shot is falling, he's a, he's a great weapon in terms of being a shot up, uh, spot-up shooter. What I have not found uh, all that compelling about his game so far has been when he's trying to create for himself. Um, in my opinion, he has a tendency to take rushed pull-up jump shots that are some of the least efficient shots in the NBA. So what I want to see from him is a lot fewer of those shots and more going all the way to the paint and either getting fouled or finding an open teammate because you broke down the defense off of the dribble. For me, that will be the thing that persuades me one way or the other this year, shot selection. If he can, if he can find himself efficient looks and eliminate the inefficient ones, go-to player, eh, I'm a bit skeptical. But useful rotation piece who's an offensive threat, yes, I could be persuaded that that's the case. I, I, the, the one thing, well, everything that you said was right, but the one thing that I took out of that was tempo. What kind of tempo is this offense? If yeah. KCP, this thing of this roster is so young, right? This should be a top 15 team in transition offense. With Stanley, yeah. Reggie, uh, KCP, they should be running up and down the court wearing these teams out, wearing these old Bulls out, wearing these old Cleveland Cavaliers out. So if they're a top 15 team in transition offense, Stanley Johnson uh, slashing to the paint, kicking out the KCP for three, Reggie Jackson slashing in, throwing up a lot for Andre Drummond, this should be a young, exciting team that doesn't have a lot of offensive sets, but guys know where their spots are. Mm-hmm. So this is what they should be working in in, in preseason. I haven't seen a lot of uh, transition offense in preseason, so that's one thing that's kind of uh, making me worry a little bit. But this should be a team that shouldn't have a lot of offensive sets. So if you want KCP to have a high field goal percentage, it should be a lot of transition offense. If you want Stanley Johnson to be a rookie of year contender, his his field goal percentage should be in transition. Um, uh, we just talked about Andre Drummond, lobs and putbacks. Uh, right. Ilyasova, to stand in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's all we need to do. Marcus Morris, to stand in the other corner. This should be a lot of transition offense, a nice, young, upstarted team. Um, I just I just want to see 100 points on the board, and on the other end, put 98 on the, with the other guys. Just play some <laughs> solid defense, right. you know? Um, I see KCP. I'm with you. This is his make-or-break year for me to see if he's a starter. Um, Marcus Morris, I agree with Ben. He's a rotational piece on a on a championship team. He's a rotational piece. On the Pistons, he's the starter. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 but right now. Yeah, that's what that's how you see what it is right now. So you can tell we're a couple steps behind where we want to be, 
but we're actually making those steps to be where we want to be. So that's that's a really positive outlook on the team. I yeah, agree. and Temple, I think, is huge. I think th- that's the perfect word to describe, um, in my opinion, what the Pistons are going to look like this year. I will not be the least bit surprised if, let's say the team wins 45 games, I won't be surprised that if in 40 of those wins, they won the transition battle by 10 or 15 points. Mm-hmm. I think it, that's where this team is at right now. When, when they're matched up against the team, that they can defend adequately uh, and then that good defense turns into transition offense, those are the games they're going to win. I do think they're going to struggle against teams who have really efficient, grinded out sort of half-court sets um, that generate a lot of efficient looks because that's, that's just not the way they're built. They're built to be fast, mobile, running, and uh, I, I think as the season plays out, the games that they win, that's really what we're going to see them excel at when they're winning. I agree, and I think that's the biggest difference for me between this team and some of those old Magic teams is those Magic teams were so great in the half-court set offense, and that's where the four-out, one-in became so popular because it was so effective when you had guys like Hito Turkoglu and Jameer Nelson, Vince Carter, J.J. Redick, these guys that knew their spots, could handle defenses in the half-court, and didn't turn the ball over. And I think that's part of my issue concern about this team is the turnovers I would rather see those turnovers come in transition opportunities and trying to beat the other team to the basket uh, and one of those guys that has to leave that charge I think is Reggie Jackson mm-hmm. and then when he gets back the other one is Brandon Jennings and I know because we're a little worried about that backup point guard situation I do wonder about this team how much how much we're willing to push the pace if we are relying on Reggie Jackson for 35-plus minutes every night. That's very true. And we might have to slow this down a bit, which I think Van Gundy is comfortable with. So that, to me, is a a question for the coach. One of the biggest things he has to iron out this year is figuring out what is best for this team offensively. Mm -hmm. And, Dre, I think you're right. I think this team is built to run, built to push the pace. But part of me thinks that he has so much success in those half-court sets and Mm -hmm. running that spread pick and roll from the point guard spot. I'm just – I'm not sure – which way it will go. And mm-hmm. I, I can see it being, you know, we're somewhere in the middle in, term, in terms of pace, but I th- hope we push it a little bit more when Jennings is back. As, a, as, as we dissect this roster, that's one thing I don't want to happen. If we, one month in, and, and we're, you know, on the, more on the law side than the win side, it's like, man, I can't wait till Brandon Jennings comes back. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I want yeah. this team to be sufficient and running on all cylinders, and then BJ comes back, and then we can take that next step forward. I don't want to be like, uh, once Brandon comes back, we're going to be good, you right. know, and they were already in the hole. Like, uh, when 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 the man whose name we don't say was here before he got <laughs> cut, <laughs> you know, we had a nice run, but we were so far in the hole because mm-hmm. he was here, uh, it didn't really make a drop in the bucket. Right. So I don't want it to be, man, when BJ comes back, we're going to be okay, but we're too far gone before we can make that push. No, that's true. Let's dissect the roster a little bit further now because there was a great article posted on Detroit Bad Boys from Jay Parker Poole, who so far has been one of the shining stars of some of the newer guys who have added to Detroit Bad Boys. Ben, I know some of his articles so far have just been so funny, so great. And one of the ones that came out just a few days ago was this Pistons primary, kind of a, a satire on the Democratic debate. Looking at that last roster spot, uh, and the guys that we have to consider for that last roster spot right now, Danny Granger, Cartier Martin, Adonis Thomas, and Reggie Bullock. Of those four, Ben, is there one that seems to be the clubhouse leader? Uh, In my opinion, yeah, it's Reggie Bullock. I think um, 
when you when you look at him all on paper, I think he's the most intriguing prospect. I mean, when you're talking about the fifteen roster spot, you're usually talking about either you know a veteran guy who's your insurance, you know, he's your fourth in your depth chart at an important position, or he's a young player with some intriguing skills who maybe hasn't quite fit anywhere else yet. I think I agree with uh, the post that's up right now from Jason. Um, Reggie Bullock has made the case, at least in my mind, that he deserves that spot. Preseason's not over yet. Um, but you look at Cardi and Martin, I mean, he's one of those fourth in the depth chart veterans that I was talking about. I don't think the Pistons necessarily need that player. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I think he was fine for us last year, I think he's probably unlikely to make it. Danny Granger's not even healthy, um, so I, I don't see him making it. And then Adonis Thomas just hasn't done anything, really, of note. So, to me, it's Reggie Bullock. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I love Adonis Thomas. I mean, 6'6", 225. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Amir Johnson when we let him go a little bit too soon. And then he went mm-hmm. to Toronto, and now he's doing okay. So, But he's in a good spot because we can just stash him in the D League, right? We can just put him in for another year, let him mature. I think this is Bullock's um, spot to, that to have, and I think he's kind of earned it. Um, we've tried the veteran just to have the guy on the bench thing. You know, we did the Chauncey. Yay, let's have the veteran there. We did the Karan Butler. Yay, let's have the veteran there. We don't need you, Danny, for that anymore. Like no. we don't we don't need to waste that roster spot anymore. Let's give it to a young guy uh who can shoot the ball, right? Uh but he just hasn't had the opportunity, like Ben said. So let's give him that opportunity. If he sinks, he sinks. Uh we got a guy in the D League that we can bring up that's six six two twenty five. It just he just mm-hmm. he just like you say he's, he's like I said he's got that Amir Johnson look to me. So I, I don't want to get rid of him too soon. Yeah, I think between the two of them, I think that's the guy that will probably be fifteen. It's either Adonis Thomas or Reggie Bullock. Both are young. I think both are guys that Stan Van can work with and and could have a future as a rotation piece for this team. I wish it was Danny Granger. <laughs> I wish that guy was healthy. That would be such a great redemption story. Six years ago, Danny Granger. <laughs> right. If I could exactly, if I could have Danny Granger six years ago, I would take it. But it would be a great redemption story if this guy could come in, give us eight, ten minutes a night, mm-hmm. and do some Danny Granger things. Mm-hmm. Defensively, this was a guy who used to be pretty good. Uh, for a guy of his size, was a you know decent shooter, good in transition, and mm-hmm. you know he just he's not the same player. I understand that, but I was really hoping when we got him as part of the trade as kind of almost a throwaway right yep. it was just they that was definitely a player phoenix was sending out of town most definitely i i just i was hoping it was going to be him but ben i think i agree with you i i think i'm leaning toward reggie bullock and he's the guy right now that's getting minutes in the preseason and I, it's tough to tell you know crystal ball is is that a good indicator but uh, just against the spurs reggie bullock had 18 minutes he went two of four from the field and one of two from three i think being an effective three-point shooter someone who's efficient and, you know, we, we know we'll be a pretty good defensive guy. I guess the 3 and D mold, although I hate using that term because <laughs> I feel like it's overused in NBA circles. But I think Bullock does kind of fit that 3 and D mold. Yeah, and I get the, the uh, intrigue about Adonis Thomas. On paper, his measurables, when you watch him play, certainly talent, certainly a prospect. Uh, and he hasn't gotten the look yet. So, you know, if, if he impresses, then I think there's a really tough decision because you've got – Reggie Bullock and Thomas, who have, who have both made cases. Um, that'll be something to watch for the next, what, 10, 10 days or so uh, before, the, before the cuts have to be made. That's, that's right, yeah. Uh, getting so close to the season, I think we should pull back a bit and just look at the Eastern Conference as a whole. Uh, there's been some great articles, again, on Detroit Bad Boys. 
uh, throughout the offseason, really, from whether it's fan posts or from some of the contributors. Uh, MoFat had an article recently, October 14th, he posted an Eastern Conference preview. HypnoWheel had a post that was one of the more popular posts throughout the summer uh, as just an Eastern Conference preview. Uh, I think a good way to start is, Ben, do you have a good feeling for what teams are in and what teams you can confidently say are out of the playoffs in the East? Uh, I I think that the bottom four, I think spots four through eight in the East, are very much in flux right now. Um, I, I, for example, actually like Boston quite a bit. I think um, Sean Hypnowheel, uh, in one of his posts, talked about Boston as having two really good second units, but their problem is one of them has to start. And I think that's <laughs> right. completely fair. But I think in the East, that might, that might be enough to get into the playoffs. I think in the, the top four, I don't, I don't have any thoughts that are different from what everyone else is thinking right now. You've got Cleveland. As long as LeBron James is healthy and he plays 60 games, the Cavs are going to win 40 of them at least. He's just that good. Um, Chicago, I think, is vulnerable, but I think Jimmy Butler's enough to, to kind of secure their spot. Um, but, yeah, the, bo- the bottom four through eight, to me, on paper, I think the Pistons ought to be in the playoffs. But, but there's really some intrigue there. There's some teams who have uh, some really interesting rosters that I think could surprise. I don't know, Dre, what do you think about the, the top four and bottom four? Um, so the divisions got realigned in the sense of uh, the division leaders aren't one through four anymore, right? Right. So it's, 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 it's kind of uh, wide open in that fact. Cleveland is always going to be number one best player in the world check <laughs> i really i really hope they don't get this Tristan. we don't have time to debate that so i'm gonna i really hope they don't get this tristan thompson's thing figured out i hope it drags on for forever <laughs> uh <laughs> i don't think atlanta was a fluke i think atlanta has a good coach good gm they find good players and uh i, I feel like they have a good system if if we you just got finished talking about pick and roll teams atlanta has a system that is a good system teams fundamentals defense i think they're still there miami is a team i'm looking at they got younger um if their old guys can stay healthy, which is a huge maybe, uh, that's that's one thing. Uh, I don't like Washington anymore. They lost their guy. Paul Pierce isn't there anymore. Can John Wall run a team? So that's a that's a team that I'm seeing fall. Um, I like Milwaukee, so that's a team I'm seeing rise. I like Boston. Uh, Indiana's back in the hunt now. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at Detroit down there with uh, teams like uh, Boston, uh, Charlotte, so, I mean, I think they can sneak in there. I said it last year, so that's why I'm not trying to jinx myself this year. <laughs> right. But uh, if you look at it, Washington may be a team that falls out. Brooklyn is a team that falls out. So you're looking at teams like Milwaukee picking up more wins to get higher seating. You're looking at Chicago losing more more seating. So uh, it's an eight seed or, or out for me uh, for the Pistons. For like the Pistons. I said, they, they're, they're one or two pieces away mm-hmm. from being – a constant five and up seed for yeah. me. But right now, they're a skeleton crew with the fact of without BJ, how hard are you going to run uh, Reggie into the ground? So for the first couple months there until Christmas time, mm-hmm. uh, until BJ comes back. So it's all about how they start. So if they start good, I give them an eight, seven seed. If they start how they started last year, uh, What's we'll, a wrap? we're, we're a lottery team. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think, well, it's it's time for, and I think this was the way I, I kind of wanted to break it down. I feel there are teams that I bet all three of us agree on that the Pistons roster right now is, is better than. that they the Pistons have a better chance than Team X of making the playoffs. Okay. So the 76ers, 
Most you guys, okay. Yeah, we don't even have to talk about the 76ers. It's not a real basketball team. I'm glad that was met with silence. That was perfect. Uh, the Knicks? Yes. Okay. Yeah. The Nets? Yes. Yeah. The Hornets now without Kid Gilchrist. I feel like I can confidently say the Pistons are better. They did get Batum. Yes. Um, which helps them wing defensively and offensively. Um, Jeremy Lin. Maybe that's the spark <laughs> for Charlotte. My thing is they just got bigs, you know. Yeah. I, I, I love uh, I love their big. I love Al Jefferson. Um, so I'll, I'll throw that up in the air. So, uh, Ben, it will make you the tiebreaker then. What are your thoughts on Charlotte? Oh, man. I, I really sort of agree with you. I think, I think it's a coin flip. I, I don't think Kid, Grilka, Kid Gilchrist going down hurts them quite as much as, as maybe it's being portrayed. I think Batum is a really fantastic player, um, and I think he might be able to more than make up for that. Um, so I'll, I'll go with uh, being a Pistons fan, and I'll let that sway me. So let's say 2-1 <laughs> to one, Pistons. Pistons right. are better than Team X in this case. Perfect. So the other team I think that kind of falls when you're looking at standings and some of these Eastern Conference previews, a team that's toward the bottom occasionally on those is Orlando. Orlando, I feel, is still a year away from maybe being a team that can contend, especially with a new coach. I'm really interested to see what Scott Skiles can do with a very young roster. Uh, it's a roster I really like, but I, I feel like this season the Pistons are better than the Magic. I agree. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that's yeah. I don't think that should be too debatable. In the future, I think that's a team to look out for, especially with Scott Skiles as a coach. He can do yeah. wonderful things with a young team. It's true, yeah, it, especially defensively. If he mm -hmm. can give that team an identity on that end, I think they can do enough on the other end. But it's going to take some time. Mm -hmm. uh, then I guess we'll go to the other side of things. So teams that we know are probably in the playoffs, no doubt. And I think we start with Cleveland. Cleveland's definitely in. Atlanta, I agree with you. I don't think that was a fluke. Then you kind of get into this mix of Chicago. Do we feel confident that Chicago is a playoff team this year? Too deep. Playoff team, yeah. 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 Uh, and Milwaukee, I, I know, is a team that a lot of people are really high on. Ben, what what are your thoughts about Milwaukee? Is is this a team that could be gunning for a, a top four seeding in the playoffs in the East? Top four would surprise me because I think they would have to leapfrog Toronto, and I I think Toronto's still pretty good. Yeah. Um, so I would be surprised if they're they're leapfrogging into number four. I also think that. Um, I think that they're going to be solid, but I think they're sort of awkwardly put together right now. Uh, they're a team that you talk about spacing the floor. I don't know where that's going to come from. I think that's going to be good enough to, to get you in the playoffs. But, yeah, I'd, I'd be really surprised if they leapfrog into the top four. Yeah, I agree with you. And you just mentioned the, the Toronto Raptors. I agree with you, especially just the division they're in. When you get 16 games against the Celtics, Nets, 76ers, and Knicks, that's a really nice position to be in in the Eastern Conference. So I think you're right. I think Toronto just – Based on just the record and the schedule alone, that's a, a good pick to be in the playoffs this season. So that's at five already. Teams that I feel confident are making the Eastern Con that we all feel. I love Milwaukee. They're super yeah. long, very athletic. Uh, Henson can quietly be like a defensive player of the year kind of guy. Kind of guy. They're right. gonna be a fun team to watch, and I, I say this in jest a little bit. If you like ugly basketball, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Defensive-oriented, slow basketball. Yep. I think that they're going to be a really fun team to if, watch, if, and I like that kind of basketball. So if only think. Michael Carter Williams can shoot. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure Jason Kidd thinks that every night before bed. 
<laughs> what if this kid could shoot? Man, we'll be all right. We might be shoot. all right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> then I, I think after those five teams that we just named, you can start to bring the Pistons into the conversation. So now you're in the spot where you're talking about Washington, Boston, uh, I guess Charlotte, because, you know, we were kind of back and forth, a 2-1 split there, so that mm-hmm. wasn't perfect. Uh, Miami. Miami is another one, but I actually I think Miami is a is a playoff team. So that would be six teams in the Eastern Conference before we talk about Detroit. So I guess, you know, it's that middle-class conversation about which side of the fence the Pistons are going to fall on. Dre, I think you're right. That 7-8 spot, that sounds about right because, to me, there are four teams that we're fighting with. And hopefully we can rise above three of those. And Boston, I include in that mix. Mm-hmm. Charlotte, I include in there. Uh, ben, what do you think? Do you, what's the, I guess ceiling for us do you think there's a team that we've talked about that maybe you don't like as much of, of those top six in the east well i think miami is vulnerable if for no other reason than uh you're you're counting us still you're still counting a lot on Dwayne wade's health and that has been anything but a given right um, you know if you only get 50 games out of Dwayne wade i you know i don't think they're a playoff team but if you get 70 games out of Dwayne wade then yeah i think they're a playoff team i think but i think Yes, I think they're fighting for five, six, seven, or eight. I think five is probably the Pistons' best-case scenario with this particular roster. More likely, seven or eight. I think the Pistons should expect to be competing for the seventh or eighth spot, and if they're not, something has gone Something's gone pretty terribly wrong. Yeah. That's, that's my take on it. I'll just say Miami's because they were competing for the eighth spot there going yeah. to the last couple of weeks of the season. Right. So, And that was without Chris Bosh for half the season. Without Josh yeah, McBob for yeah. the entire season. <laughs> and, who they uh, love. They and, love that guy. And now you got Gerald Green, um, another athletic wing who can mm-hmm. shoot the three, dynamic dunker and things of that nature. Justice Winslow. Justice Winslow, another young guy, uh, defensive-orientated. Orient- I think I said that wrong, but you can cut that out. I like it. <laughs> We're keeping it. Uh, but I, I kind of like them in, in that regard. Uh now I'm double-thinking myself on the Pacers because I think about how much they lost. I was just going to mention the Pacers. That's one team we didn't really talk about. Uh, this is a really interesting team just because so much has changed from last season. No more Hibbert, no more West. They're kind of forcing Paul George into the four spot. And for as much as he might be kicking and screaming into playing the stretch four, mm-hmm. I think he could be very successful in that spot. Indiana, is that a team right now, uh, Ben, that you have a good gauge on? Do you have a good feeling about Indiana this season? I I view them as a dark horse. I think they're on the outside looking in with a chance at sneaking in if if something doesn't go right for one of those other teams we've talked about. Uh, you know, I, I do think the Eastern Conference is going to be better this year. I think yeah. spots 1 through 10 in the East are going to be better this year than they've been in a while. And, you know, on paper, I don't love Indiana. I really like Paul George, but I'm not sold on them. I, I think they're on the outside looking in with maybe sort of an outside chance uh, at sneaking into number eight. But I, yeah, I don't have a great feeling on them, about them. Yeah, Monta Ellis and Paul George doesn't really scream. Yeah, you know, a, a, a nice solid playoff team. I'm just not sure how they make that backcourt work between George Hill and Monta Ellis. And I feel like there's a chance that this is a team. And it's strange to think that Indiana might be they, – they might find their deficiencies on the defensive end. But I think that's a team that defensively might be in some trouble, especially mm-hmm. if you're putting Paul George at the four spot. That's someone that he might not really want to to bang with guys like Zach Randolph and True. even like an Ursan Ilyasova, who's a, just a larger person. And even in the East Coast. I mean, you go against Sal Jefferson and, 
Al Horford and, and people that oh, nature. Yeah, and they yeah. got uh, I believe they still have their, their first round pick is their rookie starting center. Miles Turner. Yeah, yeah, so they got some they got a learning curve. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it's a lot of pressure on Frank Vogel, but that's the team right now that makes me nervous if you're the Pistons. Part of it is we've got to play them four times. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the teams that probably is in that middle spot in the east somewhere. It's gonna be a good battle this year. And you're right, it's just I don't know what, what side they fall on right now. Uh but I know we've got a little more time to, to figure them out. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I think Indiana is a tough matchup for Detroit if you're thinking about just one-on-one matchups. Sure. Because I think Paul George is a four. I don't know that the Pistons have a good answer for defending that. They clearly didn't in the preseason because Paul George just switched them. <laughs> but I think there are other teams in the East who are really going to be able to exploit that. You know, as you were saying, there are some teams who are going to be able to just punish them inside in the post. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't think that's going to that's going to wear them down a bit. Even Miles Turner is not a, you know, for being a, a seven-footer, mm-hmm. he's not someone who people are going to be nervous about going inside, like they were with Roy Hibbert, mm-hmm. who was a very good rim protector, even given some of his problems in, in his game, was still very good on the defensive end. So I think that's a team that just lost a lot, and I think if if you're trying to get a gauge on Indiana, it's probably your thoughts on Frank Vogel and just the job you think he can do. Uh, that's a team right now, Ben, I agree. I think I have them outside looking in, but it's one that I worry about just because when you get an all-star back, a superstar like Paul George, there's a chance that, yeah, you could shoot right up if this roster clicks. Well, I think we're at the point now where we, if we continue, we're just going to start to preview the Pistons more and more. <laughs> and I know we've got one more show before the season actually starts. The NBA season, it's just around the corner. But we do have some time before we can... Uh, really start to just talk about games and how this team is looking over 82 of them. So with that in mind, next week's show, next Monday, expect a season preview of the of the Detroit Pistons, a wrap-up of the preseason, and a look forward to the 2015-16 season. And we uh, we want you to be a part of it. Ben, I know you said you want uh, people to get involved with this. Yeah, absolutely. So I think those of us who've been around the DBB community for a long time tend to think of it as sort of a virtual sports bar. Uh, where we can joke and jest and, and have fun with each other. And one of the ways we want to feature the community is uh, each week we want to recognize um, readers who've contributed either via fan post or fan shot or maybe a really awesome comment. So um, we're going to feature at least one of those every week. So keep putting the fan posts out there, engage with us in the comments, and, and we look forward to all of the wonderful stuff that, that's going to happen with hopefully a winning season and a, and a really outstanding community moving forward. I agree. And yeah, thanks so much, Ben. I, I'm really looking forward to this podcast. I think there's an opportunity for us to, you're right, just keep expanding that bar space, keep expanding that bar out, continuing to include some people into this conversation about the team that we love. So I want to thank both of you so much for being a part of the show. And I want to thank our special guest this week, Andre Douglas. Andre, just tell everybody where they can find you and where they can find your work every week. I appreciate the opportunity, you guys. Uh, Academy Sports Show, the Fuse Radio Network. Uh, just type it in www.thefuseradionetwork.com uh, hit the play or you can uh, download your TuneIn radio app search the fuse pops right on 5 o'clock every Thursday and I'm also a part of that little show <laughs> but what's the other show that you do Dre I, kn- I know you're a busy man uh, Detroit one? Pulse Radio same network 3 o'clock same day every Thursday uh, we find great entrepreneurs around the city so if you know somebody that's trying to push their product uh, and there's a positive light on the city uh, go to the Facebook page Detroit Pulse Radio you can find us there and uh, we can get you some airtime so you can uh, promote your stuff. Sounds great. Well, thanks so much, guys. And we will be coming to you next week with another episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast.